Okay, today we are in part three of our series called Revealed, where we are learning what God's names reveal to us about him. And as we have been studying this, God's names reveal a lot to us. They reveal his character, his attributes, what's important to him. And most importantly, they reveal how we should interact with God. And I think this series is important because God is the most misunderstood being in the universe. Like most of us, if not all of us, have a wrong perception about God in some area of our lives. And understanding God's names can help us have a better understanding of him and how we should interact with him. So this series, I think, is helping us gain that better understanding of who he is. Now, today's message is going to be an extension of last week's message. And I'm curious to know, for those of you who were paying attention, little pop quiz here, who did we learn about last week? Elroy. So Elroy was the name that who gave God? Hagar. So Hagar, yes. So, so one person was paying attention to that part of the service. The other person was paying attention to another part of the service. So great. So it's Hagar named God, gave God the name Elroy. What does Elroy mean? The God who sees. Yes, the God who sees. So in a moment of crisis, for Hagar. She's in the wilderness. She's lost. She has no idea where to go, no idea what to do. God sees her. God hears her. God finds her. And God reveals himself to her. Powerful story. If you missed that, you can catch up on that. Either go to our uh, website and check out that message from last week, or you can read in Genesis chapter 16 and understand a little bit more of her story. Now, today we're going to extend that. We're not, not going to talk about Hagar. We're going to talk about Abraham and Sarah a little bit, but then we're going to focus in on Abraham and their son, Isaac. So Abraham and Sarah had Isaac as their son. But before that happened, let me tell you kind of the highlights of their story, just in case you're brand new and you, you don't have an understanding of their story. So God came to Abraham and Sarah at a time in their lives when they didn't have children and they were basically nobodies. And God came to them and said, listen, I'm choosing you. I'm going to be your God. And I want you, Abraham, I want you, Sarah, to be the, the father and the mother of my specially chosen people. And I'm going to build a family out of your descendants. And I'm going to bless the entire world through your descendants. And the only problem was, is Abraham and Sarah didn't have any kids. Another problem was, Sarah was 65 years old at that time when God gave that promise. And then God waited 25 years to fulfill the promise to give her a son named Isaac. Like, can you imagine waiting that long and being like 90 when you're having a child? Well, that was a special thing for them when it happened. But 10 years in, they got tired of waiting. Um, that's amazing that they waited 10 years. Like sometimes I can't wait 10 seconds for God to work. And they waited 10 years. But after 10 years, they got tired of waiting. And Sarah came up with this idea. She said, here's, here's this idea, brilliant idea. Woke up last night, had it like, Abraham, what do you think? Why don't you sleep with my servant and maybe we can have children through her? Bad idea. And that bad idea worked. And it created all kinds of dysfunction in their family. And that was Hagar's story that we learned last week. Um, but God promised to give Sarah a child. 
And he did. He fulfilled that 25 years later. So listen to what Genesis 21 verse 1 says about that. It says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. So a miracle happened. You know, they're both beyond childbearing years. And this miracle happens. They have this son that they've waited their entire lives for. And they are so grateful for him. This is the child of God's promise to them. And they've waited a long time for God to fulfill this promise. So they are so grateful to have him in their lives. And then God comes along with the strangest request ever. And if you're somebody who thinks, you know what, I'm not sure the Bible is reliable or I'm not sure that God is good if he does exist, this story we're about to read just might confirm your thoughts. Even if you don't have those thoughts and maybe you're a Christ follower, this story is challenging. It stretches our faith and maybe that's part of the reasoning behind this story that we'll find out together, but this is a tough story. So listen to God's request in Genesis 22 verse one. It says, Sometimes, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. That's the unthinkable request. That's the, the portion of scripture, at least one portion of scripture, where people read and then they go, I don't know that I can really trust the Bible. I don't know if the Bible's reliable. I don't know if God is, is good. Even if he does exist, I'm not sure that he's good. Why would he ever ask anybody to do something as crazy as that? But if we stop early and we don't keep digging into God's truth and the meanings behind some of the things that God asks, we'll never get to the deeper meanings that can transform our lives. So we gotta keep digging. And I think as we dig today, we're gonna discover something about God that is amazing that maybe we've not seen before or maybe we've not marinated enough in before to acknowledge what it means for us and embraced it enough. So verse three says this. The next morning, Abraham got up early he saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. So God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and Abraham gets up early to obey God. Now, there are moments, you know, as a parent, and if you're a parent, maybe you've had one of these moments before where you would like to sacrifice one of your kids. <laughs> so I have four kids, and there have been several moments on the journey of parenting my kids where I'm like, okay, Lord, today's the day. Ask me to sacrifice one of them, and you bet I will gladly do this. But that's not where Abraham was. 
So Abraham gets up early to obey God. And his faith amazes me. And his faith makes me wonder about my faith. It makes me wonder about your faith. If God were to come along and ask you to do something crazy, and you were confirmed that it was God, not just, you know, bad pizza that you ate the night before. But if you knew it was God and he asked you to do something crazy, would you do it immediately? Or would you drag your feet? Would you bargain with God? Would you debate with him? In this scenario, I wouldn't get up early. I probably wouldn't get up. I would stay in bed the rest of my life, bargaining with God, please. Like, this can't be what you're asking me to do. But Abraham had some amazing faith, and he got up early to obey God and do what he asked him to do. Verse 4 says, On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. I'm still shocked at Abraham's faith. I mean, he's going to do something God has asked him to do, and he's still believing. God's got a a way out of this. God's going to solve this in some way. God's going to provide. I don't know how, but God's going to provide. Verse 6 says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Great question, Isaac. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. My son, Abraham, answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And we're going to pause there for just a moment to kind of marinate in that moment for Abraham and Isaac. Like I said earlier, Abraham's faith is amazing to me, but let's think about Isaac's faith. Sometimes when we read this story, some people think that it was Abraham, this old guy walking with his toddler son, and tying him up was a pretty easy thing to do. But most Bible scholars believe that Isaac was either a teenager Some believe he was in his 20s, and I've even seen some suggest that he was in his early 30s. So imagine if Isaac were 20. Let's give him the the magic age of 20. That would make Abraham 120. So do you think it's going to be easy for a 120-year-old guy to tie up a 20-year-old guy if he doesn't want to be tied up? I'm not thinking that's going to be possible. And there are moments I put myself in the story and I try to ask myself, like, what would I do if I were Isaac and I were 20 years old? So if I were in this story, what we'd be reading about today is how I fought off my crazy dad who wanted to kill me and I ran away because I wouldn't let him tie me up. That would be my story. But Isaac's faith is so amazing. Isaac trusted his dad so much. Isaac 
trusted God so much. He said, here you go, Dad. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. But if you say this is what God said, tie me up. And then he, I think, climbed on that altar as Abraham helped him get on that altar. So imagine, if you can, Isaac laying on a pile of wood, all tied up, and what's going through his mind? Like, what is he thinking? Imagine what's going through Abraham's mind. His son is laying on the altar, and he's got to turn and pick up that knife. Like, just try to put yourself in that spot. If you're a parent or not a parent, just imagine walking over in those moments, picking up a knife, coming back, knowing what you're about to do. I don't know that we can fully grasp the emotional turmoil that both of them were in. Like, God, I trust you. God, I have no idea what this means. What are you asking? As I was preparing for this message, it reminded me of an event that I had, uh, an interaction I had with my own son that does not compare to what Abraham and Isaac went through. So let me be clear about that. But when my son, who just turned 16, got his driver's permit, so beware on the streets of Flagler County. If you see a gray explorer driving around, it might be my son. But when he was five, he had some dental work that needed to be done that took extensive uh, time doing that. He had several appointments. It was about 45 minutes each appointment. And the dentist said, listen, because he's so young, we've got two options with trying to hold him still. One is putting him under and uh, his mom and I decided not to do that. We just weren't comfortable with that at his age. And the other option was a towel roll. And I said, well, what's a towel roll? So a towel roll involved rolling my son up as a five-year-old very tightly in a towel like this so he couldn't move, laying him on a table, uh, putting a strap over his head that would hold his head back to the table so his head couldn't move, and then using an instrument to pry his mouth open so that the dentist could work on him. And then my job as his dad was to pull my, put my full body weight on top of his body and hold him still so he wouldn't move and whisper encouraging things in his ear. I'll never forget the look on my son's eyes as he was looking at me. So my son looked at me with that look of like, Dad, I don't I don't get it. You're holding me down and helping people that I don't know hurt me. And then I'm whispering, buddy, this is going to be good for you. Buddy, this is going to turn out okay. Like in the moment, I don't even know if I believe that. Like I'm freaking out myself holding my son down. And again, I know like that does not compare at all to what Abraham and Isaac were going on. And again, I just don't know that we can fully grasp What's happening in that moment for them emotionally? But Abraham has his knife held high. He's about to plunge it into his son's chest. And then verse 11 comes along. Verse 11 says, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. And I'm sure he said that very fast. Yes, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. 
Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh, Yahweh Yireh, which can be translated Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So talk about a heart-pounding, edge-of-your-seat story found in the Bible. And I tell you, you need to read the Bible because there are crazy stories in there that will make you feel like you're alive. And you read them and think, like, what in the world is this all about? And God, at the last second, provides the exact thing that Abraham and Isaac needed. So for the next portion of the service, I want to step back from the emotion of that and try to dig through this by answering the biggest question on all of our minds. And that, that big question is why? Why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice Isaac? I think there are at least two answers. One answer for Abraham. And then there's another answer that God's going to give for us in just a minute. But first, let's look at Abraham's answer. Verse 1 gives us, I think, the answer to that. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. So this was a test. This was a test of his faith that God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And listen to what God said to Moses, the leader of the nation of Israel, a few years after this encounter. In Leviticus 20, verse 2, he said this. He said, give the people of Israel these instructions, which apply both to the native Israelites and to foreigners living in Israel. If any of them offer their children as a sacrifice to Molech, and Molech was the god of the people living in the land at that time, if they do that, they must be put to death. The people of the community must stone them to death. I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they've defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. So God hated human sacrifice. In another part of the Old Testament, God says, I would never even think up such an evil suggestion. I would never ask anyone to ever do something like that. And yet that was a practice that happened in the land of Israel before the Israelites took that over as the promised land. God said, I hate that. I would never want you to do that. So God was testing Abraham's faith to see who was more important. Was God more important? Or had Isaac become more important? So remember, Isaac was God's promised son. He was the son that he had waited his entire life for, and God wanted to know, had Isaac taken God's place in his life? And that leads us to a truth that none of us like. The truth is this. We are always being tested. That was a test for Abraham. And the reality for us, if you're a Christ follower, is you are always being tested. Every day, your faith is being tested. How many of you like tests? Not too many. I don't like tests. I don't mind occasional tests, but I certainly don't like tests every day. 
Like I like to prepare for a test and then the test comes and then take the test and then have a long season of no testing and then be tested later in life. I don't mind that. I think that's you know a fair agreement or a relationship with God as we grow our faith. But the reality is every day we are being tested. Right now, your faith is being tested. Tomorrow, when you wake up, your faith will be tested. The next day after that, the next month, the next year after that, your faith will be tested. Why? God tests our faith to grow our faith and to prove our faith. Faith that isn't tested, faith that isn't proven, is just a nice slogan on a t-shirt or it's a nice looking tattoo on our arm that has no meaning, has no depth to it. So God says, listen, I don't want you to have faith that's shallow. I want you to have faith that's deep, faith that's real, faith that can be proven, faith that stands up in the tests of time because there's gonna be a lot of tests that that come every day. There's gonna be a test that comes. So our faith has to be tested to be proven. And God gave Abraham the ultimate test by asking him to give up something that was so incredibly important to him. So if you're a Christ follower, there's a really good chance God will test your faith by asking you to give up something that may be super important to you. And it might be something that you've put in God's place, that you've allowed to take God's place in the throne of your life. God said in Exodus 20, verse 3, He said, you must not have any other God but me. But if you think about it, we worship all kinds of gods other than the one true God. We worship ourselves. We worship other people. We worship power and possessions and pleasure. We worship all kinds of things. And God says, listen, if you're one of my followers, I want you to worship me and me only. That's the best way for you to live in a relationship with me. So I wonder today, have you put anyone or anything in God's place in your life? Have you put anyone or anything in God's place in your life? Sometimes we put people in God's place. Sometimes we're in a relationship with someone and we think, you know, this, this relationship is so special. This person is so amazing. And without even knowing it, like we elevate that person, that relationship above our relationship with God. Sometimes we do that with our careers. Sometimes we do that with our dreams. Sometimes we elevate our dreams above God's dreams for us. Sometimes we are purposeful about getting the approval of other people more than God's approval. We find ourselves trying to please people around us instead of trying to please God, who may be giving us a different directive in life. There are many ways that we can put other things or other people in God's place. So is, is there anyone, is there anything that you've put before God? So after Abraham was willing to give up Isaac, God's provision came. God provided a ram for Abraham, the exact thing that he needed in that exact moment. And God's name, Jehovah Jireh, reveals to us that God will give us what we need. God will provide us what we need exactly when we need it. It may not be what we want. It may not come when we want it. 
But Jehovah Jireh means God will provide the exact thing that we need when we need it. We've got to learn to trust him for those things. We've got to learn to give up some things or be willing to give up some things that will keep us from God's greater provision for us. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we will have to give that specific thing up. So Abraham didn't have to give up his relationship with Isaac. He just had to prove that God was more important than Isaac was. So in our lives, we may not have to necessarily give that specific thing up. We just have to prove to God that God's more important than that thing. But if God asks us to give something up, guess what? He will provide us something better. So if we have to give up a relationship that doesn't honor God, I believe God will give us a better relationship with himself and there's a really good chance he will give us a better relationship with someone else and that relationship will honor God. So when God asks us to give up something and we have to give that thing up, I truly believe God will provide us something better. Listen to what God said to Abraham after his faith test. In Genesis 22, verse 15, it says, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have, what are those two next words? God's blessings, God's provision came because Abraham obeyed God. Amazing things happen when we obey God. Here's the second answer for why God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And this answer is for us. Twice in this story, we've seen a reference to the angel of the Lord. And we've talked about that last week. We've talked about that in our last series. So who do we know that to be for those who have been here? Jesus. So it's Jesus before we know him as Jesus. That's known in the Bible as a Christophany. So let that sink in for just a moment, okay? So we've got God the Son coming to Abraham to ask him to sacrifice his son, knowing that this is just a test. This was just a test, but it was something that God would have to do on our behalf. So God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. Guess where Jesus was sacrificed? Guess where Jesus died on the cross? It was on that same mountain range. That's where the name Jehovah Jireh should take on a whole new meaning of provision, where God provides for us an eternal perspective. And sometimes we read Bible stories like this, and, and like if we don't keep digging, we get to a spot where we're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I don't get it. And then we pull ourselves out of the story without digging deeper to find the true meaning. So the truth is, Abraham's test was just a foreshadowing of what God would do for us. So God sacrificed Jesus so we could have 
eternal life. That's the whole point of the story. God tested Abraham's faith at Mount Moriah, but God proved his unconditional love for us on that same mountain. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul describes what God did in Romans 3. Verse 23, he says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So none of us are perfect. We've all messed up. We've all messed up, whether in small ways or big ways. And every way that we mess up separates us from the God who loves us. And so God wanted to solve that problem. But Romans 6, 23 tells us the wages or the penalty for sin is death. That means, that means we deserve to die for the sins that we've committed. But we can't stop there. We've got to keep reading. We're going to go back to Romans 3. Romans 3, verse 24 says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. How did he do that? He did that in verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So Jesus, God the Son, was the one tied up on the altar. God the Father was the one with the knife in his hand having to endure the horror of that on our behalf. And again, that truth should change what we think about God and what it means for God to be Jehovah Jireh in our lives, our provider. I wonder if you've received God's provision for eternal life. I wonder if if you've been like Abraham and, and replaced uh, Isaac with the ram. And symbolically, we have to replace us who should be on the cross with Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. Jesus said in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Hidden in that word gave is this story where he gave his only son. The story of Abraham and Isaac and the foreshadowing of what that would mean for God the Father and God the Son is right there. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if you have received that gift, if you have believed that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you've received God's provision for eternal life. And when you pass from this life into the next, you will step into God's eternal provision, a relationship that you'll have with him and other followers forever. That's an amazing promise that God confirmed for us through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. If you haven't received God's eternal provision through relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to guide you in how to do that in just a moment. And like we did last week, we're going to have an extended time of prayer as we close. And when I finish, our worship team is going to guide us in singing about Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. And I encourage you to engage this song in whatever way is meaningful for you. Uh, But again, as we pray, I'm going to talk to different groups of people 
um, as we're closing in prayer today. So I'm gonna ask you if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes for us to just block out distractions and pray together. So as we begin praying, I'm curious to know if there's anybody here or anybody who's watching online who would say, you know what, like I need God to provide something for me. Maybe it's answers, maybe it's healing, maybe it's direction, maybe it's reconciliation in a broken relationship. But if you're in a spot where you need God to provide something, would you just slip your hand up real quick so I can pray for you? Great, hands going on all over, going up all over. Thank you for that. I encourage you, if you need help, to stop by our care center before you leave where we've got some amazing people. Love to pray with you and help you in any way that we can. But here's my prayer for you, God. I, I pray that you will provide the exact thing that these people need. Lord, you know what they need. I pray that you would open their eyes to your provision that may be closer to them than they realize. I pray that you would open their eyes to your provision that may not come in a package that they expect it to come, but they would be open to your provision. Lord, I pray that you would be Jehovah Jireh for them, and I know that you will. As we continue to pray, I'm curious to know if anybody here is willing to say, you know what, I, I recognize today I've put someone or something in God's place in my life. I've put someone or something. I've been pursuing that thing. I've been pursuing that person more than I pursue God. If that's you, would you slip up your hand real quick? All right, I see hands going up everywhere as well. Here's my prayer for you. God, I pray for these people who've raised their hands in acknowledgement that you're not in the throne of their lives anymore, that they've kind of moved you out of that place and put someone or something else there. God, I, I, I thank you that they've recognized that. And I pray that they would do the work now of, of giving up that thing or being willing to give up that thing and put that thing back in its proper place in their relationship with you. God, strengthen them. Provide something better for them if you ask them to give that thing up. Lord, may you only sit on the throne of all of our lives. And as we close in prayer, I'm curious to know if there's anybody here who, who would say, you know what, like I've never received God's provision for eternal life. I've never made Jesus my personal Lord and Savior, and yet I want to do that today. So if you're in that spot where you'd say, that's the decision I want to make today because of what Jesus has done for me, what sacrifice God the Father went through on my behalf, if that's you, I encourage you to slip your hand up real quick. Just hold it up so I can acknowledge you and pray for you. I'll just take a second and look around, make sure I don't overlook anybody. All right, I think there's one person with their hand raised. There might be others online that are wanting to make that decision as well. So here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you during our song, tell God you need him. Thank him for providing for you. 
Thank him for being Jehovah Jireh, not just providing for our temporary needs, but providing for your eternal needs. And then invite Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. He's waiting for you to make that confession today. And if you do that, he will adopt you into his family. And he will be your Lord and Savior. So I encourage you to have that conversation with God during our closing song. God, I am so grateful for stories in scripture, even like this, where we read it at first reading and and we go, what does this mean? This makes no sense. And God, too often we read things in scripture that don't make sense and we don't pause to dig deeper and understand what's really going on. And as we dig deeper in this story, we understand that you were testing Abraham's faith and you're testing our faith as well. On a daily basis, our faith is being tested. So grow us, I pray. Strengthen our faith. Prove our faith to you and to us. Lord, we need to have a strong faith that's real, that can stand the challenges of life. So continue to grow us, we pray. And God, we're grateful for even the deeper meaning of this story where through the sacrifice of Jesus, you provided eternal life for everyone who would receive it, everyone who would believe that you did that for us. Lord, may we never take advantage of that. And may we take this story and share it with people who don't understand you, who don't understand your heart for them. Lord, may we be passionate about telling everyone everywhere the sacrifice that that you made, what you endured, what you went through on our behalf. Thank you for being our great provider. Thank you for being our Jehovah Jireh. In Jesus' name.